Lord, we want to thank you for your wonderful love towards each one of us, towards your great presence in this place. Now I ask, Lord, that you'll open our hearts, open our minds to what you're doing in the land of Israel. And you'll stir up the gift in me to teach and to be clear to be your messenger today. We give you these minutes. We thank you for them in the name of Jesus. Amen. First of all, I want to say a big thank you to the warm welcome that we've received here in New York. It's wonderful to be back at Times Square Church. This is a, a wonderful home for us uh, in Manhattan. I'm here with my wife, Rita. Rita, can you wave? Uh, our friend, thank you. Uh, and uh, I want to thank uh, Pastor David Ham for your wonderful warm welcome. All the pastors and leaders here. It's, uh, it's certainly something special uh, to be here from the land of Israel. Now, Rita and I uh, went there. Uh, this is actually our 33rd year in the land of Israel, all of it. It's the grace of God. <laughs> all of it has been on, on Mount Carmel. I want to bring you greetings from the Carmel congregation uh, that, uh, that has so much uh, history and owes so much uh, to the people of Times Square Church. Uh, from Pastor Danny and Luann, who've been here uh, before. Uh, they're continuing on. Uh, thank you for your prayers for them, continuing on, reaching out to Jews, reaching out to Arabs, uh, all the people of Israel. Uh, and we're seeing just this wonderful congregation continue to grow, uh, continue to be a, a witness uh, for the Lord. Um, in fact, actually, last, um, last month, we were privileged to plant a daughter congregation in the city of Haifa uh, for Russian-speaking immigrants. So the Holy Spirit is reaching out, doing wonderful things uh, in the land of Israel. I also bring you greetings from Karen Davis. Uh, as you know, she and her husband David launched out from here so many years ago. Uh, David, as you know, went to be with the Lord um, almost three years ago. Karen is continuing on. Uh, next month, she launches a new CD of worship and, uh, and praise uh, music uh, from the heart of Carmel. I think this is her sixth. And so uh, the fruit uh, continues uh, to be born. Um, my wife is uh, continuing to work uh, with the Women's Shelter. Thank you for your prayers, uh, for reaching out to refugee children and uh, women uh, in, our, in our area, in our region, on the top of Mount Carmel. And I want to uh, give you a big invitation to come visit us in the land of Israel. Uh, two times a year, we have something called the Mount Carmel School of Ministry, which is a 12-day intensive immersion uh, into Israel through the eyes of the local believers. We bring you into the heart of a functioning, vital, messianic congregation on the top of Mount Carmel. Uh, you're taught by messianic Jewish leaders. You're taught by Arab Christians. And uh, you worship with us. You pray with us. And then we begin to take you around our country. Uh, okay, so it's a, it's, a, it's a school with an integrated tour of the nation. Not a tour with some teaching added, okay? It's a, it's a school with an integrated tour. We take you from literally from north to south, and uh, you end up uh, in, the, in the city of Jerusalem. We've been doing this for 20 years, two times a year in March and, and November when the seasons are, are changing. And I can say for most of the people who come, it is a life-changing experience. 
Uh, it's uh, designed, all 12 of those days designed so that the Holy Spirit can open the eyes of your heart to what God is doing in Israel uh, and in our region. And that's what I'd like to take uh, these next few minutes, just to give you uh, a little bit of a report, an update, uh, some of the vision uh, for Israel and the end times, how we see ourselves situated uh, in our day. Uh, and... Um, um, I've got a lot of stuff. So, uh, you know, how many of you are here in the morning service? Okay, and I mean, I mean, I was so stirred uh, by uh, Pastor Tim's uh, uh, message about uh, the 31st foot, okay, going beyond, you know, where we think we're, we're going to go. I was so stirred. I had a whole message for you this afternoon. I threw it out. I went back and I said, Lord, give me your word. <laughs> give me your word for this afternoon. Okay, so... You're, you're watching it take, take place right here, okay? All right, Israel, look, is a, is a very new nation, 70-some years old. We're a very dynamic. Uh, people say, how's it going in Israel? I often like to say, there's never a dull moment, okay? We always have something uh, taking place. Um, next month, we're facing our third election in less than a year. Uh, some of you may know the Israeli uh, political system is a parliamentary uh, system. We have 120 seats in our Knesset or our national, national parliament. And so we have popular elections. And in our popular elections, they're really popular. We have dozens of political parties, not just two in our, uh, in our nation. And, uh, but the, the winner of the popular uh, election has to form a coalition so that uh, at least 61 seats in the 120-seat Knesset will agree to be part of a coalition, and then that, uh, that coalition can govern. Okay, we have, we have failed to do that twice already in the past 12 months. Uh, and that means someone won the election and then was not able to put together a coalition. So what this shows is our nation is really evenly divided, okay? Left and right, we have a, a tremendous cultural divide. There's a, a lot of stretching that goes on in our nation. We're facing this third election. Hopefully, someone not only will win the election, but able to put together a, a government, um, you know, our culture is, is so stretched. We have, uh, you know, we have ultra-religious on one, on one end. Uh, ultra-religious, and then we have on the other side, ultra-secular. Okay, and, and we, uh, you know, I can't go into the details this afternoon, but believe me, it is, uh, it is one ultra to the other ultra. Not only that, we're an immigrant nation. Um, you know, the United States is also an immigrant nation. And uh, here in the U.S., uh, you have people from so many different people groups coming together uh, that over the years, America has been called the melting pot, okay, because that's the ideal. You come in from other cultures, you come in from other nations, you become American, and you melt together, right? Right? <laughs> okay. that's, the, that's the melting pot ideal, okay? Well, well, Israel, you know, we have immigrants coming in from dozens and dozens of nations, but nothing is melted yet, okay? There's been, there's been no melting, so we're more like a salad bowl, okay? We've got a clump of this, a clump of that, a clump of something else, and just shaken together on a continual basis, okay? I think one of the things that keeps us together as a nation is we have real enemies just across our borders, 
And when you come to visit us in Israel, we'll take you up to pray for our, for our borders. And you realize that we really are a very, very small, geographically uh, speaking, a very small country uh, with a, a number of our neighbors who have never, actually never accepted uh, the existence of Israel. So it's not about necessarily the policies of Israel, which may be a whole nother, uh, another discussion, but it's the existence of Israel that is the basic disagreement. Why, why should you come back and be a nation again? You were gone for nearly 2,000 years, uh, and, uh, and no nation has ever done that. And really, the, the, the bottom line, the answer for those of us who are Christian, who understand the words of the inspired scriptures, the only answer is, but God said. But God said. I mean, it's not for nothing. It's not for nothing that people, not only, not, not just believers, but unbelievers will sometimes call it the promised land. Because that's it. It was promised. And God is keeping his promise. And really, that's the only real reason why a nation should come back after 2,000 years of wandering. A nation that, it, in a way, is really alive from the dead today. Um, because of the, the lack of acceptance that we do have in the neighborhood, uh, there's 100,000 rockets aimed at us, aimed at, at Israel, from, the, from our northern, across our northern border in Lebanon by a, a group called... Um, Hezbollah, uh, which is really the proxy army of the Islamic Republic of Iran. So Iran is fighting already in the Middle East through proxies, one of their proxies in uh, southern Lebanon. Actually, they're, they're pretty much throughout Lebanon is Hezbollah, and they are an avowed enemy of the existence of the state of Israel. So we face that threat from the north, and so we continue to pray. We thank you for standing with the nation and the people of Israel, and particularly the messianic remnants standing with us as we lift holy hands and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we pray, we, we regularly, we, we make common cause with Christians in Lebanon. We stand and we pray for peace on the borders. And the way we pray for peace on the borders is we pray that the Prince of Peace will rule on both sides of the borders. This morning, uh, and so that's that's a kind of a, a threat, a rumor of war in in our north. But this morning, uh, we received news that a hot war is brewing on our southern border uh, with Gaza. Uh, this morning, uh, missiles and rockets are landing in our southern region. Uh, threats of uh, bombardment and uh, the Israeli military uh, is taking the steps. These are the these are the news releases that we have gotten just uh, just a couple hours ago. Uh, people in our very southern uh, cities like Ash are uh, taking shelter. And, but I want to tell you that the reaction of the Israeli people um, when, when these uh, incidents occur is not one of fear. I, I, you know, it really is not one of fear. It's really a, a reaction of determination that uh, this kind of pressure, this kind of attack is not going to stop our destiny as a nation. Uh, it, it's, it's just a... It's a it's just kind of an inbuilt thing, okay? So, so we have, uh, you know, on our phones, we have an app. You know, it tells us when, when, uh, when missiles and rockets are, are la launched. And so there'll, there'll be missiles launched in the south. And I don't mean to trivialize this, okay? Because these are deadly weapons, okay? But people will be drinking coffee in the north. All right, and it's, and it's not like a, a, a denial, okay? Or even like an outright 
fist-shaking defiance. It's more of, as I said, a determination that this kind of pressure will not stop God's plan for Israel. Under the, 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 the threats and the experience of war and political pressure on many different fronts, Israel is miraculously growing. And, and I, I believe this is due in part to our friends around the world who are standing with Israel and praying for the peace of Jerusalem and praying that, that God's purposes in Israel will be accomplished and, and standing with the Messianic, the redeemed remnant of Israel, Israelis, Jews, and Arabs, and people like myself who've been grafted into the house of Israel, a redeemed remnant in the, in the midst of Israel who are Praying and lifting up the name of Jesus. Of course, we call him by his Hebrew name, Yeshua. Okay, lifting up the name of Yeshua and welcoming him back to his own land, to his own people. Speaking to him in his own language for the first time in 2,000 years. We thank you for standing with us. Um, the, the, the nation of Israel is continuing to grow uh, since... Um, 1948 to uh, 2018, uh, 3.6 million Jewish immigrants have come from around the globe. Uh, that's, that's almost half of our national population. So we're just, uh, we're continually receiving immigrants. Uh, that means that 90% of Israelis today are either first or second generation immigrants. The land of Israel, uh, the land itself is experiencing revival. Agricultural production has increased 12 times over the last 40 years. And Israel is the only country in the world where our, our desert space is actually receding rather than growing. Most of the world, the deserts are growing. Israel's uh, deserts are going back. The, the world loses 15 billion trees every year. Israel is the only nation with an increasing number of trees every year. Some of you are planting trees in Israel. Okay, 450 million more trees at, in, in the, since the end of the last century until today. So almost half a billion new trees. Israel is greening up. In the 1930s, British scientists claimed that there wasn't enough water resources in the land of Israel to support, uh, to support more than 2 million people. But today, because of desalinization, drip irrigation technologies, and this, those same water resources, and they haven't changed that much, now they're supporting 12 million people. And, and we're exporting water to both friends and enemies. Um, we, have, we have a peace agreement with uh, our next-door neighbor, Jordan, and, um, and we give a, a million cubic meters of water from the Jordan River to our, our neighbor, Jordan, to help keep their agriculture and uh, keep their drinking, drinking water running. And I believe it's, it's peace initiatives like this that you don't see in the news. That uh, reaching out across the border with humanitarian aid, you know, for the first time uh, ever, the Israeli government uh, a couple of years ago reached out to Christian NGOs who would be willing to take medical assistance across the border into Syria in the midst of their civil war. It became actually a policy of the Israeli government. Of course, we couldn't send Israeli citizens across the border into Syria, but the Israeli government turned to Christian NGOs and said, 
Do you have anybody who would volunteer to go across the border into the Syrian civil war to provide medical aid to the Syrian people? And a number of Christian NGOs said, here we are, send us. And, and some really, really brave men and women, medical professionals, went in under the cover. The Israeli military went down to the border and opened the gate and said, God bless you. Okay. And those, those brave Christians uh, went in and they spent two or three months, uh, too many stories to tell, okay, uh, but amazing stories uh, from the lips of those who have gone in and come out of one of the most dangerous places of the world in order to bring the love of God to a people who are torn and a people who are being killed uh, as, the world, as the world watches and, uh, and stands by. Um, Israel's continuing to export all kinds of things. Uh, our economy is growing in spite of, of the pressures, and most of that is uh, due to an explosion of technology innovation. Uh, you know, the Israeli people are very um, impatient people, but a creative people. Okay, golf is not their game. Okay, I mean, I mean, in our country, we have exactly one 18-hole golf course, okay? Israeli, Israelis are the kind of people that go, a whole day or, or half a day to, to play a game? You know, how, how can that be? You know, it's just, you know, Israelis are, are impatient. They're creative. They look at, at traffic jams as a problem that requires a creative solution. Uh, and, uh, and, but it's the kind of mind that lends itself to software technology. And so Israelis have been developing uh, software technology like crazy in the last, uh, last generation, uh, inventing things. Online chat applications were invented in Israel. The USB thumb drive was invented in Israel. Self-driving software for automobiles coming out of Israel. And it's, it's because of industries like that that in spite of the pressure, our economy is continuing to be vibrant. Meanwhile, amen. Meanwhile, around us, the Islamic world, our Arabic-speaking neighbors, are going through a historic change. Uh, and it's, uh, in many cases, as, as you know from the news, it's, it's a violent change. There's a, there's a power shift that's taking place in virtually all the nations of, of the Middle East. Uh, primarily, there's a great rivalry that's developing between uh, two, the two houses of Islam, the Shia and the, and the Sunni. And this uh, kind of boils down to two nation states that represent uh, these two uh, streams uh, in the Islamic religion. And those two nation states would be, one, the uh, Islamic Republic of Iran, on one hand, that is, uh, represents the Shia uh, Muslim uh, families, and Saudi Arabia. Uh, which is the, the home of Islam's founder and, uh, of course, the site of its holiest place, uh, Mecca. But these two nations are in such rivalry, uh, fighting each other through proxies in different parts of our region, that there's wars and continue to be rumors of wars. But in the, in the face of this type of conflict in our region, strange things are happening. One of them is that our, our neighbors, and in some cases, our real enemies, the people of Saudi Arabia, Arabia have actually started to move closer to Israel. And it's, uh, it's you know, like see, sending out kind of friendly, friendly messages. And it's part of this Middle Eastern thing that, that the, uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. 
And uh, we, we know that Iran is making t- terrible threats and, and moves to, uh, to, to pressure Israel. And this is in a, in, a, in, a, in a strange political way, is pushing our former enemies, the Saudi Arabians, closer to Israel. Uh, and so um, if you can figure it out, okay, you can uh, maybe uh, write a book about it. All right? So... But understanding these end times, I think for us, it requires really a scriptural understanding. So I'd like to take you to a section of scripture in Matthew chapter 24. So if you turn with me to um, Matthew chapter 24, and let's uh, begin in verse 3. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, When will these things happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. Verse 7, For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But in all these things, verse 8, are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Okay, I think these, these words uttered prophetically by Jesus as he stood with his disciples on the Mount of Olives nearly 2,000 years ago are so accurate, laser-like in their accuracy. Um, they asked him specifically, what will be the signs of the end times and, the, and the, the, the times preceding your return? And he tells them very clearly, see to it that no one misleads you. Watch out for false teaching. Keep your, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and your hearts filled with the words of the inspired words of Scripture. Okay, we, we walk in the spirit. We walk by the light of God's word. He said, there will be wars and rumors of wars. Please look at those words very carefully. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place, but the end is not yet. I believe that verse is talking about our times. We're continually faced in Israel in a a very close-up way with wars and rumors of wars, but the instruction of the king is very clear, isn't it? See that you are not frightened by these things. It must take place. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. Various places there'll be famines, earthquakes. Could we add epidemics? Okay. Viral epidemics. Okay. But these are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Those of you who are mothers, you know what birth pangs are. Okay, there you have this this pain uh, and then a long period of time and then another one as it gets started. But as you get closer to the birth, the pains grow in intensity and frequency so that before the baby is born, you can have a a major birth pang just seconds after the next one. How How do mothers get through this? Well, personally, I don't know. But I've watched it close up a couple times. Okay, and I know what they teach you in the classes, and they say you don't focus on the next contraction, all right, because the contractions are there for a purpose, there's a reason for them. You focus on the birth, you look beyond the contraction. I think this is exactly what Jesus is saying about the end times. In our world, we're going to have a crisis, and then a period of quiet, and then another crisis. Okay, and a a war and a rumor of war. He says, don't be frightened by these things. They must take place. It's the beginning of birth pangs. Okay, the coming of the Lord is at hand. Great revivals, the greatest things, the greatest events. 
in the history of the world are yet to take place. And we look forward to these things. Then one of the things he said in verse 14 that kind of sums up this section of scripture, verse 14, Matthew 24, he said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now we know that this gospel of, this ki of the kingdom began in Israel and went out like a vast spiritual explosion around the world. We know the direction that it went. We know that because of the Macedonian vision, we know that the, the Apostle Paul understood that God's direction was west. Our first New Testaments were written in Greek. Europe was the first continent to really receive this power, this transforming power of the, of the Holy Spirit. And it, and it really built a European culture. It, it made the Europeans great in their day. We know that the gospel continued west and it came here to North America actually 400 years ago this year. 400 years ago, pilgrims got off a ship called the Mayflower up in Massachusetts. And they, before they got off the ship, they made a covenant with God. They thanked God for, for giving them the grace to have, to have made it to the new world. They said, we're going we're to we're make our rules by the grace of God. They appealed to the Almighty for his help in establishing a new civilization on these shores. And that's really the foundation. I think as you reach that 400-year mark, uh, November of this year, I believe it's time to look down to the roots of what, what, where this nation grew from and why they put, they put prayer in the schools and why they put the Bible in the courtrooms and why they put God's name on the money, okay? And why this country became great. Now, North America, as some of you know, you've had waves of revival and waves of awakening. This is a blessed land. I mean, looking at you from afar, okay, we see a nation that was conceived in liberty, okay, <laughs> brought forth, okay, by, by believers who had a, a vision. They called their vision the New Jerusalem. That's why they came here to the New World before McDonald's and before, you know, ATM cash machines, okay, and, and super highways, okay, and then God graced you with a great awakening. I mean, men like Jonathan Edwards preaching the gospel, okay, in those early colonies. And then that was followed by, uh, what, 100 years later, or, or less than 100 years later, by men like Charles Finney and the great, great revivals in New England. And then that was followed by men like D.L. Moody and the revivals that came out of Chicago. And then that was followed. And yet, closer to, to our day, men like Billy Graham, David Wilkerson, God raised them up to bring revival to this land. I'm believing for another great move of God in North America. And I believe, I believe it's on the books. And I believe it's really important to stand and to pray. And, and not only that, to stand with Israel. Those who bless the seed of Abraham, they will be blessed. I believe it's, it's, it's part of the understanding of our time. That this is a land that God raised from the dead. Calling people who had no hope. Their hope was gone. They'd wandered for nearly 2,000 years. And made them a nation again. Calling them literally from the ashes of the death camps of the Holocaust. Calling them to become yet, yet a nation. And not only that. In our generation. And you've been a part of this. We're the first generation to see viable messianic communities appearing. Not just on Mount Carmel. But all over Israel. 
There are houses of worship, houses of prayer, congregations of the faithful in Israel where Yeshua is being welcomed back, where he's being worshiped by his own people. He's, he's being worshiped again in his own land. He's being worshiped again in his own language for the first time in 2,000 years. Now, that wasn't the only thing that Jesus said that day on the Mount of Olives when he spoke to his disciples about the signs of the end. And I want to kind of jump back to that section of scripture. And if you'll dial back just a few verses to the end of Matthew chapter 23. I want to read you, I believe these are the last verses. Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. It said that at that time, Jesus was weeping over the city of Jerusalem. And then he stood on the Mount of Olives. And when you come uh, to visit us with the School of Ministry, we'll take you to the place. <laughs> okay, well, you stand on the Mount of Olives and you look out over the Kidron Valley and you look out over the Temple Mount and you see the city of Jerusalem below you. Uh, and he stood there, and this is what he said 2,000 years ago. Verse 37. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you, from now on, you will not see me until you say... Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All right, the son of God, 2,000 years ago, he wept over his nation. He wept over his people. And he said, I wanted to gather you, but you were unwilling. Now your house will be left to you desolate. Don't you think the son of God knew what was going to happen just after his death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven? Less than 40 years later, Jerusalem would be destroyed. The people would be killed. And the great wandering of the Jewish people would begin that lasted until our day. Don't you know he saw that they would go from country to country where they would be excluded and persecuted and sent to the gas chambers and other places? Don't you, don't you think the Son of God saw all those things? Don't you think that's why he wept? He said, now your house is going to be left to you desolate. But he didn't stop there. Verse 39, he said, but I say to you from now on, you will not see me until you say, and in Hebrew we go, Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Today, today, today it's 2,000 years later. 2,000 years after the Son of God spoke those words. Today, we're back. And today, we turn his words around. He said, you will not see me until you say. We turn those words around to mean, you will see me when you say. And that's why when you come to visit us, and in our congregation, and congregations around the country, in houses of prayer, in prayer groups, these, these words are proclaimed, are prayed, and sung. And sung, I would say, with with at least a dozen different melodies because every congregation wants to have their own. <laughs> These words are sung, Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. Okay? We turn our faces towards God. We lift our hands. We praise. We worship him. And we say, Yeshua, you said you wouldn't come back until we say this. Well, guess what, Lord? You've got a remnant in this land now. <laughs> You've got people in this place. 
who are ready to stand and lift up their holy hands and face you and to say this amongst your own people and in your own tongue. Come back, Lord. It's time for you to return. All right. These are the signs of the end times. We're in a time of historic change. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. A couple things. One is the scriptures say, Psalm 122, verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. May God bless you as you pray for the peace of Jerusalem. People have asked me how to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Well, Jerusalem has many Jews and many Arabs. Pray that the Prince of Peace will rule in all the Jewish hearts and in all the Arab hearts. That's how we pray. And I want to finish with this scripture. It's from the end of Isaiah 19. And I believe this is a prophetic word for our day. And uh, those of you who are intercessors, if you'll take this to heart and pray that this highway will be established. We know, we know uh, many servants of God who are already beginning to labor to build up this highway that's described in these verses, Isaiah 19, verse 23 and 24. Here's what the word of God says, speaking, I believe, prophetically to this time and the time, the days just ahead. It says, in that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria. And the Assyrians will come into Egypt and the Egyptians into Assyria and the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians. Verse 24, in that day, Israel will be the third party with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth, whom the Lord of hosts has blessed, saying, blessed is Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. Okay, is there any king? Is there any ruler, is there any leader who can bring about this, who can build this kind of highway? You know who I'm talking about. There is only one. <laughs> there is only one. And this king's name is Jesus. And he's alive and well on planet Earth. And he's already begun to build this. I'd like to ask if you will stand with me. And if we could pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we could pray your grace, your favor on the Messianic remnant, on Messianic Jews, on Arab Christians who are willing to stand together as one new man and lift up the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. And if we could pray that this highway will be built in our day, even through the wars and the rumors of wars, even through the, the, the earthquakes and the famines and the crises of our time, that we would see the Lord build that highway and that we would be a part of that through our prayers, through our faith. That we would be a part of preparing the way for the return of the Lord. And if you speak Hebrew, you can say, Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. <laughs> Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Psalm 118, that messianic psalm. Come back, Lord. Come back, Lord. We're ready. Could you just lift your hands and pray? Lord, we want to honor you. You are Adonai Shalom. God, our peace. You are the one who makes peace. You are the one who brings the tribes together. You are the one who makes of the tribes a great nation, a great people. Oh, Lord, here in America, Lord, would you bring your tribes together? And, and would you raise up a mighty remnant 
that will bring revival to this land. I, Father, I believe standing with Israel is an integral part of seeing a great awakening come upon America as well. Lord, may the people who bless Israel be the ones who are blessed as well. And Lord, I pray that you will put in the heart of every Christian to stand with Israel. That, that doesn't mean giving blanket approval to every, every, uh, uh, every decision of the Israeli government. When we say stand with Israel, it means stand with God's purposes for Israel. God's purposes with Israel. And just stand with the people of Israel. That doesn't mean that the people of Israel are superior in any way. Far from it. Far from it. But chosen, yes. In the grip of God, yes. And we stand with them. Lord, I pray that you plant that seed in the hearts of Christians in this house, all through this house, and everywhere, everywhere, that, that the Christian people will be a people who stand with God's purposes for Israel. And finally, Lord, we pray that you will build that Isaiah 19 highway in our day. Lord, we long to see our Arab brothers rise up. We long to see our brothers throughout the Middle East rise up and make Jesus king. Make Jesus king. We long to see them rise up and say, because the Prince of Peace is our king, you Jewish people, you people of Israel, yes, we used to fight you. Yes, we used to hate you, but no longer, no longer. The enmity has been taken away. The cross, the blood of the cross has taken the hatred out of our hearts. Now we come to see you saved. Now we come to preach the gospel to you. Lord, will you change our region and make it a light to the world? Lord, we want to stand in the gap. We want to stand in the gap for your purposes to be accomplished in Israel and throughout the Middle East. Thank you, Lord. Plant this seed within us. And now, Lord, will you protect that seed, seal it within us, cause it to grow and become fruitful in the days ahead. Seal what we've heard, Lord, and help us to hide that in our heart until it becomes a vine that puts forth many branches. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Thank you and shalom from Israel.